0: This is We're Not Wizards. My name is Richard, and I shall be your host for this evening. And tonight is gonna to be called Richard's Feeling Very, very inferior with regards to his accomplishments in the board game industry compared to the two other gentlemen that he's got on the show with him. And <laughs> <laughs> I know I know why it's called that, and you will know why it's called that, and there's no way I'm gonna be using that for the title. But I've got a very, very good reason for saying that in the first place, because um I think I'm surrounded on both sides by greatness tonight because we not only have the wonderful Jamie Stegmeier from Stonemeyer Games, who needs no introduction, you know, um, but he's the creator of Scythe, he's the creator of Viticulture, he's the creator of um, the soon-to-be-out-there Charterstone, which he's promised me to give me lots of information about, but not on this podcast. And (laughs) join... (laughs) So, good evening, Jamie.
1: Thank you for having me, Richard.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure, as always. And alongside him, on my virtual left, is the rather fantastic friend of the show, Mr. Peter Blenken. So, hello, Peter. Hello again, for about the tenth time now, I think. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, the first thing, w- what we thought was, um, we're just going to have a little just. Discussion, a little chat. Um, there's things going on on both sides of the Atlantic at the moment with regards to kind of Peter subterra campaign and also um, he's running a separate kind of um, head-scratching campaign for his new game which is going to be called Newspeak. So, um, first of all, to both of you, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, it's, it's good to kind of have you both back again to have a little chat so appreciate that but Peter do you want to um, do you want to start off by um, just telling us kind of how things have been since we spoke because we spoke maybe three months ago now since yeah, the Subterra it's been a while. campaign kind of finished off.
2: Yeah it's, it's, it's been good um, there's been a lot of progress since then um, we're now in the I want to say the kind of the the last couple of stages for um sort of manufacture we're looking at having the stuff on about this week hopefully um so we've gone from you know the just the the vague idea of our project to, to actually having some tangible you know boxes of cool stuff um had the the samples for the sort of collector's edition, all the sort of fancy extras uh this week which was really exciting for the team crack them open and, and have a look at all the you know, expansions and the graphic novel and all that cool stuff um okay. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's moving pretty quickly now, which is good. It's going to be a couple of months, hopefully, ahead of schedule, um, shipping out mm-hmm. the stuff, which is always good news. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going really well. We've had loads of interest from retailers, um, you know, I've been chatting to, to distributors and stuff as well. Um, even a couple of people, uh, a couple of publishers in, in other language regions who want to pick it up, uh, for their, their region as well, which is really cool. Um, That's pretty good. And uh, I was yeah chatting today with, um, with the guys from from Taletopia about you know, doing like premium content on there and doing like uh, DLC for the the Steam version. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been there's been loads of interest in the game uh, sort of outside of the Kickstarter campaign, um, and the the campaign itself is is going really well, which is uh, which is great.
0: That's pretty good.
2: And with regards
0: to um, Newspeak, you've been hitting the marketing kind of trail hard and heavy. Before that <laughs> game has even even got a sniff on kind of Kickstarter,
2: yeah, sure. Um, so we 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 came up with this game. Um... Well, I say we came up with it. We, I actually picked it up at a regional convention up in Yorkshire um, from a kind of friend of a friend um, who wanted to just show me the game. So I was like, "Hey, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll play that." Um, and was actually with my my co-founder at the time um, who was living nearby at the time. And we we played through the game, thought, looked at each other, and went, "This is fantastic! Like, this is such a cool game." Um, and it had this kind of mysterium esque kind of feel to it, um, but with a completely different theme. Uh, this kind of like subterfuge. Kind of spy kind of feel to it. We thought this this is really cool. Um, so we we chatted to the guy. Um, we got him down to, to London, um, to, to the office to like yeah you know, hash it out and, and kind of play test it, the games a bunch of times. Um, and yeah, we we loved it and took it on and we went for this kind of absurdly obscure kind of near future dystopia feel um, anyone who's watched the, the the black mirror series on Netflix will know exactly what I mean um, but yeah. a, a kind of very believable near future sort of technology's gone a bit wrong like a kind of dystopia done by Google that's probably the best way to, to describe it um, so it's, it's, it's a bit cerebral it's a bit it's a bit odd um, but uh, we after we kind of crafted this whole thing we we decided that if we just kind of put the game in front of people it, it's it's quite a uh, quite a complicated series of things you'd have to explain like you couldn't really write write down what it is on the back of a box very easily or at least not yet um so we decided the best way to approach it was to try and explain the game's world um through the sort of general marketingy bits and bobs that we were doing um and then once people kind of understood what the world's about they'll understand the game a lot more easily um so kind of extending that sort of thematic intro you get the you know the start of a, a kickstarter video by you know scale of months i suppose trying trying to let people into to what what we're thinking um, and hopefully that'll make the the sort of complex parts of the game make more sense. So uh, Jamie,
0: it sounds to me like Peter's taken a couple of leaves out of your book and then kinda grown his own tree out of
1: Yeah, I I <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you're doing that, Peter. I mean it's it's awesome that you I, I've had that moment in my company too, where I, I saw a game from another designer and was like, Oh I I love this as much as you do. I I I wanna bring this in, I wanna make this. That's, that's cool. You've already had that moment. You're ahead of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this um, the cat because what's happened is if you're a if you're a member of the Newspeak <laughs> Facebook group, <laughs> all you see is posts saying, "Is uh, has anyone solved puzzle number two? Has anyone <laughs> got any headway with puzzle number three? And then yeah, there's yeah. Um, there's comments saying, um, "I went out on redacted." And wore myself some redacted, and then had myself a nice cup of redacted, and then I went redacted. Peter, what is what is this all about? I mean,
2: this is taking marketing to a whole new level when you kind of. um... Yeah, I mean, we basically spawned our own meme accidentally, um, which is which is I think a good thing. Um, But yeah, it's been been good fun. Um, We did like a kind of a big giveaway thing. Um, Like we're working with a few sort of you know friends in the industry and said hey like we're going to do this big giveaway thing, a so kind of um kind of you know i guess like a big free stuff thing um and we we decided it'd be fun as an opportunity to just kind of talk about newspeak so um the it's basically like an online raffle um so you get tickets by like you know liking us on twitter or uh you know, tweeting about the giveaway or whatever. Um, and then we were like, hey, why don't we give people some tickets for like solving some puzzles and then kind of immerse them in the newspeak world, make this the kind of the, the spearhead of that kind of long drawn out explanation of the game world. Um, and we did that. We hosted a few sort of uh, weird and wonderful puzzles on on the website. Um, the first couple were like super easy, basically. Um, well, I mean, the, the second one was pretty hard. And then the, the third one was outrageously difficult. Um, and people got really frustrated at it, but really enjoyed like getting stuck into these puzzles. Um, and it kind of spawned this like jokey, um, like yeah, Facebooky kind of. Thing in the group where everyone was talking about um, what they'd found, it was taking the mick out of each other and saying, "Yeah, I found the answer. It's redacted."
0: All um, oh, right. If you
2: if you put this redacted into redacted, it comes up with redacted. And it just it started off as a couple of silly comments, and everyone just kind of picked it up, um, and then then we started doing it as well, and everyone was loving it. Um, it was like
0: it was like reading um, it was like reading a rule book off a not very good board game, and you're sitting there halfway through. And then you have to reread it again, and it's still not making any sense. And then yeah. you have to reread it a third time, and then you go off and you play something else completely
2: and totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, it was re- it was really fun. it's, it's been a great group um, so far, and yeah, I've been re- really surprised. We've got a couple hundred people in the group already, and we, no one's even played the game yet, um, which is which is kind of cool. Um, it's the community involvement. I think um,
0: when I was talking to Mark. Um, from Epoch last week, and he was saying that the community was like a, a massive part of where, you know, Epoch's now, at, I think it's at 52 or 53,000, so it's well funded and, and kind of then some, and is obviously not gonna, he's not gonna kind of can, you know, cancel it now, but he had a, he had a lot of good things to say about, uh about kind of, about Jamie. A lot of good th- well, does anyone have any bad things to say? I remember Christopher mean Christopher Bedell kind of asking <laughs> would there ever be a kind of a, a legacy game about annoying Jamie? But I don't think it could ever
2: I don't it unlimited ever... number of sessions, you know. Like.
0: <laughs> um but Jamie, you've been I mean, you must be kind of busy, busy, busy. I mean, how far along how far away are we <clears> from kinda of Charterstone kind of getting launched now?
1: Yeah, um, well, it's been, it's in production. So we started the, the production for the non-printed components, uh-huh. uh, over a month ago, about uh-huh. seven weeks ago. And then, uh, over the last two weeks, Panda has been, Panda's our manufacturer. They've been processing the print files. So Peter, I don't know if you do that. Do you usually start with the non-printed components just so they, because they take longer and then start with the printed or do you, do you send them to everything to the publisher at the same time?
2: Um, at least for, for subterra, we've done it all at the same time. Um, okay. Although with previous ones, we kind of did like that kind of thing where we we send some of the the bits and bobs later on, and uh, so we've yeah. got the, the the bulk of the the longer stuff beforehand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I found that it ends up shaving off like one or well, maybe, sometimes it can shave off the, up to two to four weeks depending on mm. the component, especially with miniatures. Miniatures are where it really slows down because they can only yeah. make so many at a time. <laughs> So that's really helped, not with Charterstone, but with, uh, Side, the Wind Gambit, uh, the expansion that we're, we're doing. So we're we're like on the holiday crunch right now. We, we had this deadline where we're trying to get everything in before the holidays, not just with our stuff, but also a bunch of international partners. So it's weird to plan ahead for like Christmas sales. In May, you know, (laughs)
0: yeah, that's what you know, that's what happens when you get involved in the kind of the the retail kind of game and the manufacturing game, isn't it? I mean, you've got to, yeah, you're kind of planning ahead. I mean, I deal with guys that are uh, selling the marketplaces like Amazon and eBay and they're already thinking strategy for Christmas time because they've got to get stuff kind of nailed down kind of just now. So, uh, but you've jumped, you've dropped in about, um, the expansion for scythe so do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about that quickly yeah
1: so this is this was a new experience for me too this um so scythe has been out since uh we sent out the kickstarter copies about a year ago in june of 2016 and in december on the scythe facebook group there's a a a fan had made a fan expansion and he had written the rules he had actually play tested it so it wasn't just peter i'm sure you've heard this from some people they have it like an idea and they throw an idea at you and sure yeah they want you to to run with it but this guy actually put in the work of of actually designing something and trying it and testing it which really impressed me and i thought he had a really cool idea too which was to add these a, a new type of unit to side these airships and so i ended up corresponding with him he's a guy named kai he's over in germany and uh I ended up bringing in an expansion idea that I had. So it's kind of two different modules in the same box. And it was it was really cool to work with a, a co-designer on this expansion. That's the first time I've had a, a real, true co-designer on anything Scythe-related.
0: Because looking at this, you've got your airship module, which is your Kai stuff, and then you've brought in resolution modules. Was that your two cents, I guess?
1: Yeah, that was my two cents. I, I ended up doing a lot of development on the airships from uh-huh. the original idea to the final version um, yeah. but yeah the yeah. the original idea I brought in was these these resolution modules which change uh, the end game trigger of the game normally the end game trigger is when someone places their sixth star yeah. the game immediately ends and now with there are eight different um, or a total of nine you have the original and then eight new ways for the game to end and it's usually it, most of them aren't just like a new thing that happens at the very end most of them are Kind of, they feel a little bit like scenarios where like a, a one rule is a little bit different that impacts the entire game. Um, so yeah, it adds a little bit of variability to
0: scythe. Was that um was that based on feedback that you'd had, or was that based on you kind of continuing to toy about with the kind of the mechanics?
1: You know, I read a lot of stuff about scythe in the forums or reviews and things like that, yeah. and. Yeah. I can't even remember at this point, like, where the idea originally came from, but I'm sure an influence was that some people don't like how, some people feel that the end of the game of Scythe is a little abrupt, because once you place that six star, the game Mm. just instantly ends. Um, which I felt was important for the game itself. There, I think there needs to be a compelling reason for someone to end the game. And if they put that final star down and then other stuff continues to happen, there's less of a reason to actually put that star down. So while I, I like that mechanism, I continue to think it's it's a good mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that spark of people saying, "Hey, is there another way?" kind of inspired me to think of
0: eight other ways that the game. <laughs> so it's like detractors figured, come yeah. along to you and say, "I want one. Give me one solution." <laughs> and it's like, "No, I'll give you the Spanish Inquisition version." of Right. We've <laughs> right. got eight, eight solutions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take it you, you've obviously had that um, kind of a play testing and in, in, in to people. And has there been the have, have the has the feedback been quite strong in it? Then, well, I think it must be if you're if you're going to be putting it out there to the to everybody.
1: Yeah, fortunately, yeah, we went through. I, I did my normal thing, which is, and actually, Peter, I'm curious to hear about how your steps for this. But I, I did uh, local play testing for a while, and then once I thought it was ready, I sent it out to blind play testers, and I did three big waves of blind playtesting and really it i love blind playtesting because I, I just learned so much and looking back on it at in like the third wave everything is so obvious at that point i'm like oh why didn't i think of this before um where we were like stumbling through parts of the first two waves peter what's your method for for playtesting how do you do
2: local and then blind what's your um it's kind of a mix to be honest i mean the the, the stuff we've done for the new speech probably the, the most relevant i guess at this point um, like we've done loads of in-house stuff so there's about four or five of us in the office at the moment who've been kind of doing about a session a day um <laughs> Just kind of going through the, the, the sort of nuts and bolts of the, the first few drafts. And then we've been, we've been doing quite a lot of sessions with an organization called Playtest UK. Um, we organize meetups across the country and do specifically just playtesting sessions of anyone's games that they bring along. Um, so one of my guys has been going off to the, the regular London One each week um, with a sort of new, new set of people each time and doing blind or non-blind testing each time to see what, what they're kind of developing as they go along. Okay. Um which has been pretty cool. Um and next step's probably gonna to be to to take it to one of the regional conventions where there's a the same organization runs a kind of big open um version of the, the same thing where you know they'll have like a table with with our game or something, you know, tables with other guys' games. Um and then members of the kind of convention will come up and you know fill the seats and, and be kind of table upon table of blind te- blind playtesters, which has been really, really valuable in the past. Um but yeah, so I mean conventions have been probably the biggest resource for us. Um, for, for all our games actually um, the kind of smaller regional ones have been have been really good for kind of letting people know how the game works without setting expectations um, like right. people have, are kind of feeling that it, when you're giving them that opportunity at a local convention you, you're still kind of in the works um, and you're not kind of using up that, that big national convention capital um, <laughs> which uh, but yeah it's, it's worked really well for us
1: that's
0: great I'm sorry. Richard, I'm just, I'm just listening. No, I'm just listening <laughs> because it's like, i'm you know? I'm at, I'm like at the cocktail party, and I'm saying, Peter, meet Jamie. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've got something in common with both of you because we've got board games. But at the moment, you're talking English, but I'm not <laughs> sure I understand exactly you kind know, of what's, uh, what's kind of going on. No, yeah, I mean, I think it's becoming more and more clear that the playtesting side of things the is becoming so much more important even before you even think about kind of launching the campaign in case somebody comes in and kind of kind of, kind of like break, breaks the game itself. Jamie have you, I mean with people writing the expansions is that is that is that kind of woken up kind of scythe again have you, or did you have kind of more expansions kind of planned for the future?
1: With well, with like the first expansion of scythe yeah. I, uh, I, I definitely had that I had the 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 roots of that in mind when I designed the base game, but I mm-hmm. didn't really sit down and um design the expansions uh, that expansion until the game had been released or the game was in production at the time. Um but uh it, that was different with the next expansion. Usually with expansions I like after I spend so much time on a game, I I need a a decent break from it. Yeah. Yeah. And usually I've put what I think are all of my good ideas into the core game. And I, I generally don't leave stuff out. If I leave stuff out, it's for a reason. It's because it wasn't working or it wasn't good or it wasn't fun.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: so usually it does help. I need some sort of a spark. And often I think it is external, whether it's from reviewers or forums or, in this case, uh, another designer to, to bring it back to life and make me want to return to it.
0: That must kind of... I mean that must have kind of um you must have been kind of quite touched when somebody actually approached you and says I'm not only going to tell you listen you should be making people move 5 squares instead of 4 squares it's like they've gone ahead and actually designed mechanics and gone down the design route themselves I mean that must have you must have been oh thanks for that kind of thing
1: um, Absolutely yeah yeah that really that really impressed me off the bat and there have been a few people who have done those little little fan expansions and they've not all of them have piqued my interest like that one did, but they, yeah. they yeah. all impressed me that people would take that time to take an idea, which is very easy to have ideas, you know, they're so easy to have. You could come up with a dozen right now if we brainstorm in the next five minutes, but to actually act on it and bring it to the table with your friends and face rejection and all that. That's, that's pretty cool that he did that.
0: Especially if it's like Scythe, cause I mean, Scythe is now, you know, very, very well known in the kind of the board game circles and even externally. I mean, you've got um, kind of video game um, websites and things like that kind of starting to go into the board game scene and covering kind of uh, games like Scythe as well. Um so it's kind of you know everybody is everybody is aware of it and it's in in some ways it's much loved IP. So I can imagine if you're going in and saying, look, I've got Jamie Stegmeier stuff and I'm just going to try and improve it. I can imagine <laughs> folks sitting down at the table going, um, just put your mix on the table. You're <laughs> you're next, <laughs> you know, and and be quiet. Let's just put put that away with your crayons and your and you can you can kind of your A4. But you yeah, did but, the kind of same thing with um, viticulture because when viticulture came out um you you then had like the Tuscany expansion and yeah, then and you maybe. had a a kind of a combination if I'm correct with the viticulture essentials kind of edition um which is one of my favorite games <laughs> I like I like viticulture more than I like scythe. I'm gonna say that publicly and on record. Um, <laughs> because I'm I'm a man of a very simple brain and uh, I, I find uh, wine is much more palatable for me than robots and uh, resource management and stuff like that. So but no, as I say you've you've kind of you've um, you've you've done that again. Um with Charterstone and as I say, I'm not expecting you to say anything. I'm expecting you to say, like, wait until the game's come out and you can experience it like everybody else is. You've started to tease out little tiny snippets of art. Um yeah. Are you... Have you ever been in a situation where you're bursting to tell kind of people what's actually going to be in the box? Or have you had to keep controlled and calm about what you're letting kind of out there?
1: Well, yeah, I would say maybe... About two months ago, I I was I realized that I had that that bursting desire, I guess, to share more like more behind the scenes than I was saying about it. Um, and so, for the last uh, maybe month or two, I think it's been two months on the the Charterstone Facebook group. And actually, for anyone who's listening who don't know what Charter, doesn't know what Charterstone is, the reason that it's secretive is that it's a legacy game, and pretty much everything in the box is a spoiler. Um, so I wanted people to have the experience of opening the box and just starting to play and not even really doing, not even opening that box before they sit down to play for the first time. Um, that was my original intention. And so over the last few months, I've been writing these weekly design diary entries about the game. And I really, really enjoyed that. I, I yeah. love to write that behind the scenes stuff. I love to see the questions that pop up and I can't answer all the questions that people ask, but people have been pretty understanding and respectful of that um because they they know what the game is they know it's a legacy game and that there's a lot of secret stuff in it um, but it's it, i've ended up exposing a little bit more than i thought i would but i think it's been good i think it's been good for people to see that especially since a lot of these people are paying money like they're pre-ordering it from their local retailer they want to yeah, know that exactly. thinking, <laughs> what their investment is going into yeah have, have you done that peter have you done design diaries
2: yeah, we did, um, I did, I did some brief ones for, for Statecraft, and I did the, well, Tim, the designer of Subterra, did, uh, did some really good ones, actually, for, for Subterra. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I like think it did help that it wasn't a legacy game, so we couldn't spoiler too much of it. Um, but, right. uh, but yeah, it was, it, one thing that was, was really good about it, I think we didn't actually think would happen, was it ended up kind of sparking more and more ideas. Like kind of putting putting pen to paper, or figuratively speaking, I guess, and like writing down what those thoughts were and kind of in what order they came and, and what what those changes were that we made kind of previously, kind of with that sort of retrospect, um, we're able to make even more kind of moves forward, which was which was kind of cool. Um, like you know, talking about the the sort of ethos that we had when we were developing the game, then kind of applying that same logic to when we were doing so you know, art direction, and then the next step being the Kickstarter campaign. Um, yeah. so kind of you know writing the uh, sort of last week's um, events into the design diary and then thinking oh well you know that's, that's that's a good way of doing that thing or that's not a good way of doing that thing. how can we learn from that and you know move to next week right. um, which is which is a really cool experience actually I think it was uh, it was really useful for, for both Tim and myself to, to kind of be doing that kind of while we were sort of moving through the project um, right. and kind of learning from ourselves you know while we were, while we were going through it That's really cool that the act of writing it down actually sparked some other
1: ideas and it sounds like you were doing it while the game was still pliable.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we um, we kind of like. We, we, I mean, we t- to be fair, we started you know after we'd done the sort of first draft um, mm-hmm. of the game. But I mean, there weren't that many changes that were made. Sort of you know the kind of the, the system of the game between when we first picked it up and the actual final footage product. Um, but it was uh, it was a lot of things that that influenced the you know the presentation of the game, the, the graphic design, the, the illustration, and um, those kind of final sort of tightening of the bolts. Um, that I think, had we not done that, it wouldn't have had quite as much finesse as I think it does have. Um, yeah. It was kind of the, those kind of deep, thoughtful conversations that we had, you know, over Skype sometimes, where we were talking. Like, I think we had like a, an argument between like me, Tim, and the graphic designer Zach, where we were like getting, re- they were having like a really heated discussion of the exact placement of like an icon. Uh, on a component Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and it went on for like it went on for like an hour um, where we were like all you know like sort of battling our corners and being like you know I really really think that this is the thing we're trying to get to and and because of that it should be be like this Um, and at the end of it you know we came to a consensus and and it was really good that we'd that we'd actually have that kind of conversation because I think had we not started to write down this process we probably wouldn't have done that in the first place kind of really critiquing our own work and being sort of you know critical of of the kind of Things we, you know, the assumptions we've made. Um, it really helped us, like when we were sort of in the flow of work, to, to kind of critique things as we were going along. And I think that helped to improve things a lot.
1: That's awesome.
2: Is um, Jay,
0: I mean, is it a strict because it sounds like? See, in terms of your next game coming out, you are both taking the kind of the complete opposites in terms of how you are pushing it out to mark. You know, how you are pushing it out to market. Peter is um, with New Speak. There is. Massive involvement, a lot of kind of community, people are getting involved in the game, a lot of playtesting. And on Jamie's side you are you're almost relying on the strength of what you've done before and almost silently marketing it. I mean, have you had pressure from because you're because of the the company and your previous um productions has there been pressure? Has it been? Had you had to approach it differently to market kind of Charter Stone? Have you had it to do more the, on the success of Stone as opposed to this is what you're actually getting?
1: Well, in a way, um, and so what you're referencing there is that we're not going to Kickstarter on it, I believe. Is that what? You're yeah, you're not about? going to yeah.
0: Kickstarter, but also you're not. Um, I mean, it must be difficult for you to. It must be a different approach to market the game in the first place. Right
1: yeah it it is a bit different I mean we can still like any game we can show some art I can put the rule book out there things like that mm-hmm. we have a video that that should go out um in about two weeks like a a movie trailer style video for the for the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but the biggest change really is that whereas for a Kickstarter project my my uh my my clients my consumers my customers were individual people whereas for my customers for Charterstone are distributors. So even though like I'm still supporting the end consumer, the people who I'm selling it to are only distributors. I'm not doing any direct pre-orders. And so that definitely changed um, my marketing tactics a little bit because I was, instead of going to, convincing like one person that the game was either right or wrong for them, mm-hmm. I'm convincing a distributor if they want 500, a thousand or 2000 copies of the game.
0: -hmm. Which is, you
1: know, a very different pitch and they need a lot of data to make that decision and they need to talk to retailers who need to talk to their customers. So it was a very different process and it really lasted about four months, uh, four or five months to get all that data in so that I could, so I had a, a reasonable estimate of how many copies of this game to make and how many with knowledge of how many I would actually sell. So we ended up going with a pretty big print run. I think it'll be a print run of, uh, or it is, and uh, not maybe. It'll be print of fifty six thousand copies and most of them are pre committed to distributors. Uh, which uh, is eliminates the risk for me where I know that I have these I, I know yeah. I can sell these. Um
0: That's in, that's incredible because Mex versus Minions was thirty thousand in the first run and the second run was another thirty thousand. So That's true. But theirs was a shot in the dark. Like if they had gone to
1: <laughs> distributors in advance, I bet yeah. they could have easily, and they didn't go to distributors at all. No. Uh, but if they, if they had done that, uh, and, and I imagine Peter too, with the way your company has grown, if, if you went to a distributor tomorrow uh, on your next game and said, Hey, how many of this do you want? They would probably be able to give you a reasonable idea and it would probably be a pretty good number. So I, I've really been
2: happy with those communications with distributors. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've we've literally just like recently been talking to um, to the uh, the big distributor in the in the UK, which I imagine you probably met before. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's definitely been like you said, a very different sort of experience. Um, like it's a much more kind of methodical, thought out process um, rather than the kind of sort of dizzying highs of uh, of sort of Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's been really interesting. I think for probably for the same reasons, um, just kind of working out what that. I mean, for us, it's, you know, the, the first time we're, we're doing that, um, kind of working out what the the kind of needs and desires are for retailers and distributors that are, you know, different from from individual um, consumers. You know, things that people, you know, think of all the time, like the box size, um, you okay. know, the kind of the impact on a shelf versus the impact of a graphic on Kickstarter, you know, it might be subtly different. Um, yeah. Or just you know simple things like um, you know writing on a box might not really matter when it's on a Kickstarter because everything's you know blown up to huge sizes on your screen or it's kind of written out in, in sort of plain text. But you know if you can't actually read it on the shelf, then it's unlikely someone's going to pick it up and um, right. sort of have a look at it in your shop. Um, so yeah, it's I it's, think it's definitely been an informative process that um, you know it's, it's it's been a privilege that we've we've had that, and I think it's. It's definitely interesting for, for newcomers to the the industry. I think to to kind of know what that is before they get into it, kind of so they can you know preempt the strategy so that it kind of fits both locks so the kind of Kickstarter and, and sort of retail distribution chain. Right, right.
0: Has it been like a, another kind of big learning curve for you then, uh, Jamie? I mean, oh yeah, then...
1: yeah, big time. <laughs> um, yeah, I. I... It, it, it very much has been. Um, like, for example, one of the things I learned uh, was how much... This was when uh, the Scythe expansion came out, Invaders from Afar, the first one. Uh, I didn't set a release date. I, I just was thinking, okay, when the game gets to stores, I want them to immediately just start to sell them to customers. I don't want them to artificially hold it back. But different stores get the game at different times, even within the U.S. like uh, Distributors get them at different times. Retailers get them at different times. And uh, I found out that they, the distributors and, and retailers get kind of upset if one store has the game, even to, it has a new release a few yeah, days ahead yeah. of them. Yeah. And so I kind of learned the value of, of putting a release date out there, which we actually do tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday. Tomorrow is the release of Between Two Cities Capitals. So that's the oh, first okay. time. That's an expansion of Between Two Cities. And that's the first time that I've set a release date for something, even though we've We've been shipping this product to, the, to distributors over the last month. Um, so we built in this big buffer to make sure that everybody could actually have it and stores could actually have it in time for the release date. And so far, I haven't heard any complaints. So I, I assume uh, maybe I'll hear some tomorrow if, if somebody just happened to get theirs late. But I, I, I think it'll, I think that has worked out a lot better.
0: It's kind of like an exciting, it's an exciting time. It's, it's one of these weird things. It's strange to be kind of pers- you know, you you're, you're Basically shows seen as being at the top of your game I mean because you you're quite well known and Peter at the same time has grabbed an awful lot of success recently with the subterra campaign to of, you know he's created a name for inside the box board games um, but it's interesting that you've both still got things to learn when it comes to maybe looking at the next step which is the kind of the retail thing which seems to be an entirely different kind of game altogether. All um, <clears throat> Peter, I take it Newspeak's going to be in Kickstarter, is it? Yeah, or yeah, we,
2: yeah. we, we decided to do that. I mean, interestingly, before we kind of committed to sort of a plan for Newspeak, we, we read Jamie's article um, about his, his sort of plans for Chartstone. Um and it was it was really illuminating. Because I think everyone had kind of taken it for granted that everyone that had started on the kind of Kickstarter track would always stay there. Um, but uh, it's definitely interesting. So seeing, seeing Jamie's logic on, you know, obviously it's a different challenge now that you're, you're a well-established brand and, and you've got those contacts with distributors and retailers already, that um, actually it does make sense for you, for you to do the uh, sort of plan that you've, you've done for Charterstone. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, for, and for smaller publishers to, to use the Kickstarter route. And this is kind of, you know, both have their advantages and disadvantages. And it's kind of best for everyone to, to kind of evaluate their situation. Um, I know in some of the, the British publishers that I'm, I'm friendly with, um, some of them have never done Kickstarter and they're still quite small, um, some of them are very big and do use Kickstarter um, and it's interesting to see, you know, it, it's not really a kind of small companies do Kickstarter, big companies don't thing, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's quite complex, you know, depending on what kind of game it is, what the retail demand for it is, all that kind of stuff, um, but, uh, but yeah, with, with NewSpeed we're going to go Kickstarter and um, we decided that's the, the best thing for the project um, mainly, as I said, because it's a, honestly, it's a weird game. Um, it's <laughs> like, realistically, it's, it's, it's an unusual game. Um, you know, the kind of, the, the mechanical style of it is, is similar to a kind of like, I say like a, a deeper version of Mysterium is probably the closest thing to it. Um, it's, it's that kind of game. Um, but it's still quite weird. Um, the theme is not that, you know, it's not that normal uh, for the board game scene. Um, I know, obviously, Jamie, you've done Euphoria. I'm sure you came across the kind of same sort of uh, sort of thing. It's not the classic yeah. sort of board game themes. So you have to kind of try the extra extra bit of effort to to make sure people understand what it's about and how that you know relates to the, the sort of the game's decision making processes. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, we decided this kind of long run up and, and this sort of community aspect of uh, fixed that, so it was a good way to help people understand and help kind of for them to help each other understand what's going on with it. Um, but uh, but yeah. So it's probably going to be Kickstarter with thinking January two thousand eighteen, um, so similar sort of time to, to Subterra, um, but uh, who knows? Could be sooner, could be later. We don't know at this point.
0: <laughs> I'm going to commit to a date and then I'm yeah. going to tell you it's not a date at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, Peter will become. I'm going to ask Peter. No, we've me and Peter last time when Peter did Subterra, Peter would come on. I think it was every was it every week, every ten days. Yeah, Yeah. we kind of launched a series of kind of mini podcast episodes, which was called, which birthed the kind of the quick start on the kickstart, which we've (laughs) done quite a few, which was, we spoke to Peter about how the campaign was going. And I think most of it was, oh my goodness, it's been so busy. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) I don't know what to do next. So it was quite quite interesting, but we're hoping um, we've already spoken about running it again. And yeah. see, and it'll be interesting, and uh, and and see what kind of what the audience is going to be like that um, instead. And I don't know, we might turn it into a game. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> we might do something, something kind of. Don't give me too many questions. ideas. <laughs> I well, yeah. I mean, I'm still looking for. Um, <clears throat> I'm still hoping to get my bearded uh, meeple stickers, which <laughs> you promised from the last.
2: I did um, promise thing. them. I did. Are they there? You'll have something in your inbox at some point. Oh, awesome! That's what we want.
0: <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. Um, one, of the, I guess, with Jamie, with you moving kind of away from Kickstarter, is this just a kind of a stepping outside and seeing what's seeing what else is out there, or are you firmly committed to kind of trying to break away from Kickstarter completely now? Well,
1: um, I mean, it. It's not a firm commitment either way, but mm-hmm. my last Kickstarter was Scythe in November of 2015. And so it's been, it's, we're working towards about two years without anything of Iris being on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I expect that will continue. I, th- yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't foresee that changing at any point in the future. And really, as kind of as Peter alluded to, it is not a slight on Kickstarter or anyone who uses Kickstarter. I still mm-hmm. love the platform. I still write about it. Twice a week, I, I'm fascinated by it, but it just, uh, uh, for various reasons, uh, some related to fulfillment, some related to my time and my like, like emotional state. I got to the point where I it just wasn't a good fit for me or Stillmire anymore.
0: Yeah. Okay. 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 And I guess this will give you kind of more control. And I mean, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. You've got fifty six thousand copies going out there of a game that let's be honest, nobody's actually really seen. <laughs> you know, it'd be different if it was I mean, let's, you know, when the mechs and minions, mechs versus minions came up, there was a buzz about it and Riot yeah. Games being Riot Games were able to create a buzz. I mean, they've created a multi-million dollar uh, um, kind of platform through the League of Legends, so they were able to do it. But I mean, it's a big testament to you, that the fact that there are people that are Scouring how they can pre-order Charterstone without actually knowing what they could get. It could just be a T-shirt inside with you going, <laughs> "Surprise! It's your Jamie Chick Charter Charterstone T-shirt." And uh, that's not going to happen, though. Is it? <laughs> that well, would be I quite. Actually,
1: that'd be quite I, funny. I did an unboxing video. I so I, most of my posts for like the first <laughs> month the Design Diaries were pretty, like, kind of just fun, just having a good time. And, yeah. Um. They culminated in an unboxing where I showed the box, I put the box down, and then I pretended to lift something out of the box, and it was my cat. Yeah, I saw that video, that was great. And I enjoyed, I thought this was funny. I, of course, I think anything with my cats is amusing, but, um, there were, there were a few people who were, who pointed out, and at the time I was a little annoyed by it, but I think they actually had a good point that I hadn't really shown, like you said, I hadn't really shown them anything substantial, and at that point they felt like they were just being toyed with which wasn't my intention. I was just having fun. But that was where I was like, okay, I need to put the rule book out there so people can see it. You don't have to, like, no one has to read it. You don't have no. to spoil that for yourself. Yeah. And But at least it'll be out there so they can see that there is an actual game here and not, not an empty box yeah. with a cat in it.
0: I think it's it's interesting that there will there will be people who will probably not, just like Pandemic Legacy, as we've said multi, multiple times before, that you can still quite happily go and look for Pandemic Legacy Season One and not really see many spoilers about oh, yeah. the actual yeah. game itself because, um, you know, if it was Pandemic Legacy the video game, I mean, <laughs> the the board, the cellophone, the cellophane wouldn't have had enough time to come off the box before there was like a video <laughs> a video about it. But I mean, I've seen that. As I say, I've gone back to Mex versus Minions, and only mentioning that because we've start me and Colin of kind of started playing it. Um uh-huh. and it's the fact that you have to kind of they've kept it layered and you have to open up levels as you delve deeper into it. But at the same time there's this everybody's heard of this box with this axe kind of sticking out the top. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. again I've not seen anybody you know, you want to know about mechs versus minions this is what's in the box. People have kept it quite um to themselves. Yeah. And I can see that happening with Charterstone. I, I, I know those there's gonna be discussions about it and there's gonna be discussions about the rules, but I think we'll still see the great board gaming community coming together as it does and not wanting to spoil the game because they believe, you know, opening a board game is it's like a little miniature Christmas day and they're not <laughs> yeah. wanting to kinda of spoil it for kind of anyone else.
1: I bet there are people there I bet there are Maybe not a number of sub-terra backers who have tried to avoid looking through all this stuff because they want that moment of yeah. seeing the tiles for the first time when they open the box and not on a, a digital rulebook. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's great.
0: Well, that's, that's me just... as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely me. Of course, yeah. Jamie, you're opening yourself for internet hate that you will guaranteed get one smart, smart ass, and it'll probably be me who will email you on a <laughs> forum and say... Um, I've opened up Charterstone and there's no cat.
1: Well, you'll have to see if there is any
0: cats. Oh,
2: here we go!
0: It's just a matter of time before we could break him down, so Charterstone is a, a game about cats in the box. So if there's no cats, you know, how to, uh, you know who to complain to. Um, not me. Um, Jamie's email address will be in the show notes. Um, <laughs> I mean, between the two of you with your hectic, busy schedules i'm not even able to talk it's very hot in here tonight i have no idea why um have you bo- have you had chances to play anything yourselves at all um peter have you managed to get anything to the table yourself
2: yeah yeah definitely i mean um kind of like for a while we weren't really playing anything um other than endlessly play testing own stuff and then we realized that you know we're not really we're not going to be able to, you know, innovate new stuff if we're not, you know, constantly playing other th- other people's games and kind of learning from from what they've done well. Um, so um, we decided that what we do for, for Newspeak is basically all the games that we thought we'd kind of taken an inf- inspiration from. We just get all those in a big pile and just like work our way through them. Um, so kind of once a week, we've been kind of sitting down, you know, cracking out a few games in a row um, and kind of go, going through all the different things that we think might be might be helpful to us to learn from, and then ones that are just for fun. Um, so we've been we've been playing Max Minions as well actually, just just for fun. Um <laughs> Oh I know, I,
0: I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, it's not like where the shows. You're not going to get like a thing at the beginning. Saying, and this, <laughs> <and> Sponsored this, <laughs> by Riot <laughs> Games. I, don't say that. That'd be. I'm not even going to say that would be nice because it's not going to happen. They <laughs> won't respond. They won't respond to my emails anyway, or me standing outside their office and asking them if they'll come on the show. So you know, I'll get a better <laughs> yeah, sponsor for the show. We don't need you. That's a joke, Riot Games. By the way, that was. I've never emailed you or stood outside your office. And if you do want to come into the show, you more than welcome um, <laughs> just sometimes I just open my mouth and it's like I'm just changing feet um, <laughs> what about you Jamie have you been um, playing anything um, of late yourself
1: yeah yeah I, I try to play a bunch of games I, I host a weekly game night and you know a week Oh, uh, Saturday game day, and I do, uh, I'm usually having, like, one campaign going at a time. So the, the campaign game I'm doing right now is Near and Far, which I'm really, really loving.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: At, uh, my game night last week, I played Great Western Trail, which I've played many times at this point. And then I learned three new games at the game day on Saturday. I learned, actually, I played four games for the first time. Barony, Fields of Arl, which I should have played a long time ago, because it's okay. wonderful. And, uh, a small game from Stronghold called Frog Riders. Um. <laughs> Which was light and, and fun and cute. Uh, but Fields of Arrow was the, was the standout. And I played Between Two Cities Capitals for the first time in like the final production version, which I always liked doing. And it was, I knew it was going to be good because I like the, you know, it's our game, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm really happy with how it came out.
0: It's like a good chef sitting down and sampling his own cooking and going, yeah, I know this sauce is good. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me some more of them fries. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. Have you, I mean are either of you kind of excited is there anything that's been announced um that's coming out that you guys are kind of excited about yeah yeah,
2: definitely. Definitely. yeah sure um yeah i I got really excited like a, a giddy school child on uh, the the news about pandemic legacy season two um i I really enjoyed the first season um and like the just the I really I really like what they did it did with it where the kind of the entry point to that whole sort of series of stuff was kind of familiar pandemic feel with this kind of new exciting legacy um, sort of component to it. And then with mm. season two, they've gone like seventy years forward with a brand new art style and a completely crazy dystopian thing going on. And I was like, this is fantastic. Like it, it's kind of taken that, that whole like experience and kind of taken it one step further. And kind of like not just making a you know, you know, new interesting product but kind of progressing the whole you know, story arc of the, of the game and, and giving it a kind of lease of new life rather than, you know, you know, plastering on a few new mechanics or something. Um, so yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited to see how that turns out.
0: What about you, Jamie? Is, um, is there anything that's kind of piqued your interest at all?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. Pandemic legacy season two. Um, in terms of campaign games, there's that one. There's the, the first Martians and, uh, seventh continent are the three campaign games I'm really looking forward to and play through Charterstone. And then I have uh, Palaces of Mad King Ludwig that I'm really looking forward to. I think there's one other one. Oh, The Expanse! I love The Expanse novel series and the and the TV show. And there's a, a game coming out, I think, very very soon uh-huh. about that one. Have you guys heard of The Expanse? Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah, yeah. You know, Is it Netflix? Netflix? It's uh no, it's a uh, sci-fi. I think in the US it's sci-fi. Yeah.
0: Everybody's frantically Googling the Expanse board game. (laughs) (laughs) It's by uh,
1: Jeff Engelstein, who does the Ludology podcast. All right. right. And I've heard that he's structured it off of uh, Twilight Struggle, but with four players instead of two. Hmm. Interesting. I'm pretty fascinated to see what he does
0: with that. Oh, here it is. It looks interesting. That's kind of cool. For myself, um, Wasteland Express Delivery Service is. One that I'm really interested in. Um, Only because they did the the, um, beautiful people at Pandasaurus Games, and there's a reason I'll be calling them beautiful, and you shall all learn why, is that they did um, a campaign for Dinosaur Island. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, Yeah, and uh, (laughs) it was basically, it's Jurassic Park, um, but it looks fantastic, and I went, oh, okay. And then what happened was that I was couldn't get Wasteland Express Delivery Service because it was basically going to cost double the price of the game to get it shipped to the UK. Ooh. And then I got an email in my inbox saying, um, oh, we can do Wasteland Express Delivery Service, but include it as part of your package for Dinosaur Island. And um, I, squeal- I squealed. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's great. 'Cause um I, I I've seen um I've seen the i I've seen the unboxing now, I've not seen any I've not actually looked at any of the gameplay, I'm trying to keep it for myself, but the whole premise of it and the fact is John Gilmer as well. Mm-hmm. Just I'm very, very interested to see what he is going to do. So that's one that I'm very, very interested in. Um there's this um beardy chap who released there's a game that's coming my way which is about caving. And stuff <laughs> like that. Um I'm trying to remember the name as it s- it's it's f- um it's something it's like p- French for potato. Um mm, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. This is my wife.
0: No, it's sub yeah, sub-terra. Um so I'm looking for I again, I am the guy that hasn't looked at anything, so I'm interested to see how that kinda plays because friend of the show Rory Summers um, he's been playing that quite a bit and he just keeps wax, waxing lyrical and saying, yeah, I, had, I lost two people, I got three people returned and I'm just screaming at Facebook going, Rory, what are you talking about? <laughs> so we'll be, <laughs> yeah. um, I'll be waiting for that to, to kind of kick in. Um, James Hudson, uh, Grim, Grim Forest, mm-hmm. that yeah. looks... That looks super nice. It does look super nice. And James was on the show and he is super nice as well but he's sharp as attack and uh, <laughs> I've been on the um the board game spotlight um Facebook group that he runs and uh, he's been putting out a lot of a lot of kind of information on that which is kind of good um Jamie you mentioned quickly that you're going to be sitting down and playing through Charterstone. have you played a full game of it or going through it yourself are you are you just looking forward to kind of sitting down and playing it as a player as opposed to like I guess a tester?
1: Well, Charterstone was a weird one to test, uh, for me. I, I, was able to play it for gameplay, but not really play it for the campaign as much because I, like, I know all the secrets. I, I, I can't experience it as a, as a true player will. So most of the, well, all of the full campaign playtesting was done by, by, by blind playtesters reporting data and anecdotal evidence and videos to me so I could learn from it. Um so no I haven't I haven't sat down with friends and played the campaign from game 1 to game 12. So I will still know everything that's happening but I I'll be yeah. kind of nervously watching my friends experience that too.
0: Yeah. But it'll be like you're the first time you see, you know. It was like it'd be like the first time my my son watched like Star Wars. <laughs> I'll yeah. Be, yeah. <laughs> I'll be living vicariously through his reactions to the, what's going on in the film and kind of enjoy it kind of um that way I guess yeah um i know um right i'm gonna hand this over to peter now because peter i'm gonna just gonna say do you have any questions that you have for jamie because i'm aware i keep (laughs) butting in on this conversation going uh guys your drinks okay do you need you want some dip um (laughs) (laughs) do you want some nachos um is there i mean is there anything you want to ask um ask jamie
2: Actually, yeah, so I, um, just before we we came on, I was chatting to to the guys in the office about, they're not still in the office, I'm not working them that hard. Um, but, um, I was chatting to the guys about, um, that we're going to be coming on and, and, you know, maybe questions that they had for you. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting that, that that came out of of that was one of the guys asked why it is that, um, you know, you, you kind of centered the the, the brand of Stone Games around you know Jamie Stegmeier. Uh, you know, you're, you're very present in you know the, all the Facebook groups you've got for the games. Uh, you know obviously on the Kickstarter campaigns you run, you run your amazing blog. Um, you know, you've written the book which I've read. I will hold my hand up and say I am a disciple of the yeah. book. Um, <laughs> Thanks. But uh, but yeah, I mean like it's it's it, it seems like a you know to a lot of people it seems like a counterintuitive thing to do um, to kind of be that one linchpin in a business. Um, yeah. And I guess just, just kind of wanted to, to hear your response. Like, what do you think the advantage of it is? Or why do you personally like being that kind of the, the central persona for the company?
1: That's a good question. Yeah, I, I wrote about the, I haven't just coincidentally, I wrote about this last week in a blog entry um, because there are, I think there are pros and cons to being the face of the company in the way that I am. Uh, like if, if I do something good, it it can resonate with a lot of people. But if I have a bad day and that comes out on social media in some way, uh, that can be that can hurt the company instead of just me as sure. a person. Um, so, I mean, that's been kind of on my mind a lot recently as to what that means. I think I the the reason it is the way it is, is that it, it really goes back to the original reason why I got into Kickstarter, which was I. I kind of cherish the opportunity to, to connect one-on-one with people who shared uh, my passion for something. And uh, so I've tried to continue that, even if, as I moved off Kickstarter, I've tried to continue to have that type of presence with people and connect with people one-on-one about my games or other games too. Like I, I do a YouTube channel about other games um, that I play and, and game design. So and, like that's the good side of it, that that personal connection. I really enjoy that um despite being a pretty big introvert o- online i like those interactions quite a bit uh but uh but i have I, I i think uh like i said kind of there's a darker side to having that face and um i've uh i've been trying to examine that recently and, and try to decentralize a little bit more and delegate a little bit more um and and yeah the, i think the, the yeah it's something I've been thinking about. Like, I don't have a great answer because I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about it and trying to process and trying to figure out what sure. that, what that means. Yeah,
2: but yeah. I think it's really interesting to hear, hear how you kind of like you're thinking about it because it, I think it kind of, it kind of, I get the impression that, that that kind of due to the you know massive growth of your company, or, you know, the last few years, and like how how that's kind of changed you know your perspective on. You know, like you said before about the, you know, running Kickstarter campaigns, it's kind of like a lot of like kind of emotional capital that you've got to kind of put into, yeah. into running it. And, you know, obviously the size, the, the Scythe campaign, absolutely enormous. They kind of, you need to be there, always present. And it, and it does take a lot of, a lot of effort. But kind of, it's, it's interesting to see how, how you're approaching that kind of same growth. Um, and, and so how you're reacting to it. So, I mean, we, we kind of hit the same, well, not the same problem, but kind of in a similar sense when we went from, you know, me in my bedroom to, an office with a few guys, kind of uh, working around <laughs> working around me, right. which is pretty pretty crazy, pretty fast. Um And how you know originally it was uh, it was me doing everything, and now I'm like having to kind of extract some of the stuff out of my brain and kind of like let people in on it, Um yeah. while still kind of you know being that that, that central role in the company. Um but Yeah, it's really really interesting to hear. So your, your thoughts on it?
1: Did you have any key moments in terms of that extraction? Because that's something that that's probably like the hardest thing for me if I. If I've been doing something for so long and it is in my head or in my files to be able to transfer that to someone else, uh, did, have you had any moments of, of a, epiphanies where you where that made it a lot easier for you to do that for a specific element of something that you did for a long time that you then transferred to somebody else?
2: Um, I mean, it definitely hasn't been easy. Um, I've definitely yeah. got no, no magic wand for it, but... Um, I think, but particularly with, with Newspeak, um, yeah. the point when I was like, right, okay, we've got to, got to start, you know, full steam ahead on, on development with this project. At that point, I decided that, that I should bring someone on, uh, to, to help me do, um, what I'm doing. Um, a guy called Anthony, who was an intern for me for a while. Um, and I decided that would be like a good, a good way to kind of make a clean break, um, with the sort of development and kind of, I want to say like micromanagement of the, the individual project. Um. Okay. So although it was kind of like a ripping the plaster off moment, um, and there's been a few times when he's kind of been like, "Yeah, Peter, you're you're, you're looming over me and like you know just watching me <laughs> work." At this point, I'm like, "I'm really sorry. I'm just going to go back to my desk," um, <laughs> just because you know like, with, I'm, I'm sure you're the same. You, know, you really want to be involved in everything because it's so exciting all the time, um, and it's right. it, it's interesting. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's having kind of starts of new projects has been quite a, a good way to you know, restructure. Um, what I've been doing according to, you know, new members of the team or, or, new resources or, or whatever else. Um, within projects, it's been a lot harder. Um, so I think, you know, doing stuff sort of with, uh, with Subterra, obviously, we, we had that team very well established before everything went crazy. Um, so kind of making sure I'm actually writing things down rather than just keeping them on my head and then, you know, making sure that, that, other people got access to you know, those files and notes and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that I think the kind of one thing that's come out of it is make sure you write absolutely everything down because if at some point things do go crazy and suddenly you're really successful um like yourself um and you have all this work to do and you can't possibly do it yourself then you're going to need someone else to help you. Um yeah. and it's it's no use if you haven't written it down. It's it's impossible to just keep everything in your head and, and just explain it as and when. Um you know, going to need access to it. Um so yeah, I guess.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I... I, I love the second tip about writing everything down. I, I do I do try to do that. But I, the first tip in particular is that's uh, that's one I have to think on because I really like that uh, that idea of when you start a new project that that's a much easier or well, maybe it, not much but easier time to transition than and when you're in the middle of something you're already immersed in it.
2: Yeah, I like sure. it a lot Yeah. It seems like a you know kind of a, g- a good moment to be reflective. Like you know what what did we do last time that we don't want to do this time or or, yeah. or vice versa. Um, and kind of, you know, like, hey, well, this worked really well last time. Let's do that again. And, hey, that didn't work. Let's try something new. Okay, there's a new member of the team. like right. that, That's a great opportunity to do that. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it, it's, I think that, that's been a really good learning experience. Um, particularly, as, you know, as I kind of, like, it, seems, it sounds weird saying it, but kind of like as a managing role, I guess. Um, right. Like, you know, I still can't get my head around that. But, um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, kind of working out what kind of you know what system works what what kind of arrangement um what kind of you know combination of people and and things works best um for for a given project or for for anything in general thank you
0: that's just i I can't say anything else to add that i'll just sound (laughs) like an idiot um i am aware that um jamie is running to a schedule today because unlike um myself and peter well peter's probably still doing work anyway it's just me that's the work shy fop um, um, Jamie has got other um, other things he needs to be cracking on with, like, you know, a game to get out there, maybe. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, I, I was going to kind of, I think this is a good time to kind of, obviously kind of wrap up proceedings. I did um, tweet out um, that um, I would be speaking to Jamie tonight. Obviously, Peter kind of came in at the last minute, so I really got to thank him for kind of um pit, you know, pitching up at the last minute. Um, as I say, gentlemen, I'm aware time is short, so if people want to track down where they can find you on the internet
2: interwebs, where is the best place to find you, Mr Blinkern? Um probably best place to find me is on Facebook. Um, though I don't think adding me as a friend like literally a thousand times would be a good idea. Um, so <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean I and mean, Twitter, the ITB board games, um, if you want to talk to me about like businessy stuff, game design stuff, whatever, um, my email's like publicly available Just contact at ITB board games, go straight to me. Okay. um we've got like a thing on the website for the game submissions and there's like a bunch of different like play testing stuff and that kind of thing um as well on the on the website which is just itbboardgames.com
0: and the same for yourself jamie if people want to find if people want to find you if you you know don't be silly of course you know how to find jamie but just to, <laughs> the last 0.5 percent that maybe aren't aware um where's the best way place to find you on the internet
1: um, Stonemaier Games anywhere. So there's Stonemaier Games on Twitter, Stonemaier Games on Facebook, or StonemaierGames.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, my contact information is all over that that stuff. And Yeah, the, that's the best way.
0: And we'll put, I mean, I've got both your details from previous shows, so I'll just copy and paste the show notes from the previous shows, because obviously I'm really working hard tonight. Um <laughs> If you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, just go to Google, search for We're Not Wizards, and you will find us across many forums, including <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, Instagram... Um if you search us on Redbubble you can actually now buy a t-shirt for goodness sake or a coffee cup because Amazing. we are sh- we're absolutely shameless. Can we got like That's a king
2: size double bed spread like you can get all the a
0: options. Cushion, you can get and if you if you don't see something and you want us to do it for you just ask and we're quite happy. At all. <laughs> we're going to do branded <laughs> we're going to do branded board game boxes next just with a big weird note wizard logo on the front. Uh, maybe not on the front but maybe one day on the back. We shall see. Um, if you have liked what you've heard tonight we you can find us on Apple Podcasts and we, as we say um, we always appreciate a review um, I usually do my joke about don't leave us a 10 because that'll make us big headed but guys you've been listening to Pure Gold from you know, two of the best in the industry tonight so if you don't give us a 10 what the, what is wrong with you? <laughs> basically <laughs> Um, you can find us on ACAST, you can find us on Stitcher, you can find us on any place you can usually get your podcasts Um, thank you for continuing to Mm -hmm. listen to Mm -hmm. us, as I said on a previous the last show we put out we have broached the fantastic figure of 10,000 downloads, I don't know how that happened I know! Congratulations,
1: yeah yeah,
0: it's just, you know I know my my mum just keeps clicking downloads (laughs) you know, god bless her um Listen gentlemen, thank you very very much for coming on. Um it's always a pleasure to speak to Jamie, especially to have him come back on. Um after the first time he was on. I'm surprised he came back, but it's a delight to have him back <laughs> on again. Um, he a lot of
1: money to come to me, Richard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um but and again Peter, you know, um you're a good you're a good guy, um good mate and it's it's uh, it's good to hear that things are continually onwards and upwards for Inside the Box board games and I shall be personally looking forward to seeing what the secrets of Charterstone are and what I can uncover Um, (laughs) there's only two things left to do as usual now the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we wizards gentlemen? oh no no way definitely not we'll hide in caves we'll build up our own little towns but you won't find us hanging around any of those pointy hat gentlemen with our staffs um, <laughs> and the second thing to do is to say goodbye again thank you gentlemen for coming on but it's a b- goodbye from Peter goodbye and I keep pointing to my left when that's not physically quite... <laughs> it's different. hologram with Jamie Stegmaier. Like bo- yeah. You know, exactly. And Jamie's like going, I was on his left. What's going on? Um, <laughs> so it's a goodbye from Peter. Goodbye. a goodbye from Jamie. And a goodbye from Jamie. There you go. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Um, keep an eye out for Newspeak. And have a look out for Charterstone. Um, two very different games from two very, very brilliant people Uh, but until the next time goodbye
1: take care